Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad that you're listening in today, which is October 3rd, 2018. We're going to be talking about schizophrenia, and it touches not only the individual, but the families as well. Our special guest is Rebecca Shaper, and she's written a book called The Light in His Soul, Lessons from My Brother's Schizophrenia. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. I encourage everybody to pick up a copy. Now, a little background on Rebecca. She also has had the opportunity to do an award-winning documentary called A Sister's Call. And it was all about her mission to bring her brother, Call Richard Richmond Jr., back from the depths of homelessness and schizophrenia. So it's quite a lighting story. And I'm going to bring her onto our show now so that she can really delve into the subject matter. Welcome, Rebecca. Hey, Denise. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm looking forward to having a great conversation with you. Oh, and we will. <laughs> I guarantee <laughs> <Good>. you. <laughs> Good. Uh, I like that. No, it, it's it's an interesting topic. I typically start my show out by asking, you know, how did you get on the path that you're on today? But but this one is quite obvious, um, you know, and very personal. Yeah. So why don't we delve into this gripping tale of yours? Well, I would like to uh, preface it a little bit. Um, I was born into a family with sexual abuse. Both parents died by suicide, mental illness, and alcoholism. Um, And I just felt so compelled to find my brother, which he disappeared in 1977, and he was missing for 20 years. Um, In 1997, we found each other through a miracle. And when we found each other, I saw into his soul and not his mental illness. There was something about him that just pulled me in. And I asked him if he would be willing for me to do a documentary on his life. Now, let me preface this a little bit. I knew nothing about filming, and but the people walked into my life to help me produce this film. And he said, sure, Rebecca, why not? I'd love for you to tell a story, tell my story about my life. And I remember Denise walking away thinking, that's interesting. 
it's a, it was almost like he knew I was going to ask him. Hmm. So how I like to really phrase it is the reason why Colin, I really feel like that Colin and I found each other is that I feel it was the shared pain of abuse that drew Carl and me together in support and also healing of each other. Um, it was a powerful underlying subconscious bond between us. And he and I never discussed this, Denise, but I mm. felt, yeah, we never did, but I felt it was recognized and acknowledged between both of us. It's like I heard him, I felt him. I would find the best way to help him is I wanted to be helped as well. So I definitely feel like that he that we found each other to heal the wounds in my family. Mm-hmm. And that took 14 years to produce, and um, then... He passed away in 2012 of colon cancer, and I was done. I, you know, I was done with the documentary. I wanted to take a break, and then three years later, I felt him talking to me like, Rebecca, you're not done. You've got to do, tell more of the story. You've got to do a book. And once again, I did not know anything about writing. And people walked into my life to make it happen. And so that's how the book was written. And once again, I feel like we're given a chance to rewrite Mm -hmm. the story of our lives when Mm -hmm. a major life event throws us off course. And to me, it's a gift. Unwrap it. Use it to create a brilliant new life, not only for yourself, but for others, to help others. And the reason why I make the point that I did not know anything about filming and I did not know anything about writing the book is when you know your sole purpose, why you're here, everything will will come, mag- I don't want to say magically, but through divine orchestration everything will fall in place mm-hmm. and i it, it did for me it did for me that for the documentary and it did for me for the book and i knew that i had to do both the documentary and the book the uh documentary is the spine of the book interesting okay hmm. what was your greatest challenge once you had um, found him and he had come back into your life? Probably finding the right medication. Um, And I finally got him under the uh, care of Greenville Mental Health and he was on different types of medication and finally we were able to get the, the proper dosage and the proper medication for him. Mm-hmm. where there were times he was on Haldol, and it, it flattened him out. He did not feel like doing anything. I felt like I was talking to the medication versus my brother. And the thing about my brother is um, he was so aware, even though 
he may have had some psychotic moments or whatever, he still was aware. And I'll I'll give you an example. In the Mm -hmm. film, um, when we were interviewing him, um, he said that he was walking on the roads, went under a bridge, and he felt this voice come over to him saying, I'm going to have to take your mother. And then two weeks later, she died by suicide. And he, I didn't know that until we were interviewing him. And he goes, I never told Rebecca that, and somehow I feel very guilty for not. Um, and that voice came to him when he was not on drugs, but he had the wherewithal to understand what that voice was telling him. Um, I do believe these. Uh, I do believe they're very gifted in a lot of ways, um, and I think there's a lot that we can learn. I think we're just on the tipping edge of really learning about schizophrenia. Mm. How are you able to um, see the difference between? possible hallucinations versus reality with him? um, That's a really, really good question. And there were times I was wondering if it was really his hallucination or if it was reality. But there there were times that I can recall back that I knew that it was more hallucinations. But I would tell you at this point, with my experience with my brother, most of them were not. Um, I can give you another example. When um, my I was living in Atlanta, and when Carl was um, in Greenville, he would just all of a sudden pick up the phone and say, Rebecca, what's going on with Kim? I I feel something's going on with her. And he didn't know anything. And um, then sometimes he would um, pick up the phone and say, what's going on with Lauren, my my younger daughter? I just feel they have this acute awareness of, of other people's feelings, and they absorb it somehow. Um... And my daughters would pick up the phone and call him at times when they were in distress. Mm -hmm. He never gave them advice. He always listened. He was a man of uh, little words, but very wise. And also, too, he never, ever was angry about his illness. This is talked in the film and the book Mm -hmm. as well. Um, he had no regrets having it. Um, and, Mm. yeah. And it's interesting. I have been surrounded by people who have died by suicide. But I find it interesting my brother never attempted it because I asked him. And if someone who lived the type of life he did, he caught mm-hmm. trains all over the world and, I mean, excuse me, all over the United States. And uh, he lived in the woods. Um, it's 
that's amazing that he that thought never came to him. Yeah, that that is. Huh. Mhm. Well, it's interesting that um he was homeless for how many years? 20. 20. I mean, that's and then to have it, the illness and be homeless and mm-hmm. survive it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. It's a miracle. It's it's truly yes. a miracle. I mean, you you witnessed a miracle. You were part Absolutely. of the miracle. Yes, and the miracle how we found each other. He mm-hmm. went our paths went different ways. His path um hit the road, my path. I got married, have two wonderful daughters. I have a wonderful husband, but yet our lives loop back around and we found each other through a miracle. And I truly believe that if we had not found each other, that the documentary would have never, and and the book, would have never come to fruition. Um, and we were here to meet each other um, to help others through love, forgiveness, and compassion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, for our listeners... Could you give a definition of what schizophrenia is and is not? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um, through my brother's experience, I feel yes, they they have they can be delusional, they can have hallucinations, they isolate, they don't. There a lot of them are homeless, um, they withdraw. But do we really know? enough about it to really give a true definition? I don't think so. I, 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 From my experience, I feel there's so much more that we can learn from them because I learned a lot from my brother. I, um, go ahead. Is the... Um, you never considered him dangerous? No. Um, I never did. Now... When I when we found each other, um, I wanted him to come to Atlanta and visit my daughters and visit Jim, my husband. But Jim did not want him in the house because Jim mm-hmm. was afraid, which made my daughters afraid. Mm-hmm. But who's to say that maybe Carl was too at that point? But mm-hmm. I knew I, I knew he would never do anything. I, I, he he is he's, he looks like Santa Claus. He has a very gentle gentle soul. But mm-hmm. once uh, my husband and my daughters trusted him, and he trusted them, the bond was inseparable. We brought him to our beach house. We um, we just engaged him in our family activities. He was part of our family. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I think it's very important for uh, people with this illness to have family who love them with compassion and not judging them. And, yes, Mm -hmm. at times it can be very frustrating. It can Mm -hmm. be frustrating, but you just got to hang in there. Well, I know someone whose mother was a schizophrenic. And 
it would change her personality. She literally would become a different person. And maybe maybe it was she didn't like the life that she was in, so she was playing out a different one. Um, but again, she was very much loved, and um, it was controlled through medication. Yeah. Yeah, my mother also had uh, the same disease as well, and um, she tried to mask it with alcoholism, and that's another symptom, too, if you see someone trying to self-sabotage themselves, there's something else going on. Mm. Interesting. Now, over the 14 years that you took care of Cal, there had to be times when you were incredibly frustrated and you probably asked, you know, do I have strength to continue on? Um, particularly when you were trying to get his medications, um, correct. What was it that kept you going? Was it your family unit at that point or your faith? Um, um I just knew that I, I, I just had this driving force to help him, and nothing was going to stop me. Um, yes, there were times that I did get frustrated with him because some, there were times he got off his medication, um, and then he would um, leave his apartment, which he did leave, which he did live independently. Um, but then he got back on his medication, and um, I, I just, I just. I just knew that my brother was more than his illness. It was just a driving force in me. Mhm. Mhm. Well, that's that's really special. It really is. Well, um, so was he. Mhm. Mhm. We kind of know that it does run in families. It's yeah. genetic. Right. Uh and and others can end up with different forms of mental illness. I mean, they can end mm-hmm. up with, you know, bipolar or they can end up um anorexic or um you know, who knows what other ones. <laughs> it just depends. Um did you have additional challenges in your family as a result? Yes. Um my daughter I uh, was diagnosed with bipolar, and she had an eating disorder as well. Um, when I mentioned about the sexual abuse, um, my father not only abused me, but he abused my daughter as well. And I did not know it um, until we pulled her out of college when she was so thin and we got her help. Now, my father died by suicide in 1988. So he died even before I knew anything about my daughter. I didn't know it until we were in therapy. And um, that was, whew, that was. Yeah. Um, very tough. Very, very yeah. tough. Yeah, it was. And it was very tough on my husband as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, but I, but she is a survivor. She is. It's incredible where she was at that point 
um, let's see here, she is 39, I believe. It was around when she was 20 when all this um, came to surface. And, um, yeah, it was a very tough time, but she is a remarkable individual, and she helps others, other women, empower themselves. She's, yeah. She's, a, she's definitely a survivor as well. Mhm. Yeah. Why do you suppose both your parents took their lives? Were they together at the time? Uh, actually, my mother, I, I she had attempted uh, suicide two other times, and this time it. It was through alcohol and abuse, and I I think it was the sheer pain. I think she just could not hang on anymore. She was suffering so much inside, but yet she was such an incredible person. Um, People loved her, and I felt like she was gifted as well. My father had PTSD from World War II. I did find out that he was abused as well. Um, after my mother died, my father remarried, and she left him um, because she became extremely ill. And I don't know the whole story why she left Greenville and came back to Atlanta, but she deceased in Atlanta. And, and he survived, prob- I think, maybe seven more years afterwards. And I remember um, that time he was just plummeting into depression. And I asked him two weeks prior if he was going to take his life, and he said no. But he had already planned it when I found out later um, after he died. But um, he left a suicide note as well, and at the end it said, Carl said, I was never happy anyway. And he shot himself. Yeah, and he shot Mm. himself in the heart. So to me, that that says a lot. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, let's let's, um, let's talk about you know, it could be that we have listeners today that are, are dealing with schizophrenia in their family line. Um, what kind of tips can you give us relative to um, uh, the caretaking um, of them? Because it's a big responsibility to care for them. Yes, it definitely is. Find a group like NAMI, an organization like NAMI, National Association of Mental Illness, they have the best support group in all areas, especially families who are dealing with this. Also, um, if they are with uh, like uh, like uh, social services, I would highly suggest that that person communicates with that social worker because that's what I did with Call. The uh, social worker and I communicated 
back and forth on calls needs and what needed to be done. That way they don't fall through the cracks. Also, I would suggest, extremely suggest, the caretaker take care of themselves. To me, that's number one because it's that's a really so good point. important. Yes, mm-hmm. and not feel guilty for it because mm-hmm. it it um, encourages you when you take time for yourself to do things that bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 recharges you. Um, I would also suggest to just listen, be patient. Compassion is the biggest key, I find. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Listen, Even listen. during those frustrating <laughs> times, too. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Who supported you through everything the most? I mean, we know that you worked with a social worker, and I'm sure that your husband and your daughters were by your side. But was there anybody else in that process? No. Mm, Okay. That's tough. You know, Denise, I didn't look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I did not look at it that way. I you just I knew, did it. Yeah. I, yes, I mm-hmm. I just knew that my daughter was going to get better. I knew the call would get better. I mean, if I didn't strive how high he could go, how do you know how high he could really go? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I I just yeah, you you just do what you got to do. But I did it. Because of love and mm-hmm. um, well, you you have the ability to kind of will everyone to a higher plane, you know, a higher place. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't going to let the, let anybody around you um, be, uh, you know, uh, not successful in in uh, getting better. It just wasn't exactly. in your DNA, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yes, you're exactly like, you right. Are you're going you're to get right. Better. That's all there is to it. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna if I see hope in somebody, um, I mm. I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listeners, if you happen to um, just be joining in with us, we're talking with Rebecca Shaper, and she's the author of the book called "The Light in the Soul: Lessons from My Brother's Schizophrenia." And she's also uh, produced an award-winning documentary called A Sister's Call. Is there anything else that you'd like to add today? No, I just, uh, yeah, you know, I, if, I'd love to give out five free books. And if anybody is interested, they can contact me at author at Rebecca. And that's R E B E C C A Shaper S C H A P as in Paul E R dot com. Okay. Because my, I, I I my mission is to help others through my experience. And um, if anybody's interested, please write me, and I'll be happy to send you a book. <clears throat> Oh, that's very, very sweet of you. 
just for sale as well, and where can yes. that be purchased? Amazon and it, um, Kindle. You can get it through Kindle. We okay. uh, have a CD um, for the for the documentary, mm-hmm. um, and also a DVD. So um, in Barnes and Noble, they can get it at Barnes and Noble. And uh, my, my website, if anybody wants to go to the website, it's mm-hmm. RebeccaShaper.com. And the spelling of that is S-C-H-A-P-E-R. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. You're a bright light. And, well, thank you, um, Denise. I I appreciate being able to uh, talk about it, and I hope that mm-hmm. uh, in some way I, I inspired others. I, th- I I definitely think that you have and that you will continue to do so. On a beautiful path. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. That wraps our show up for today. Please join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another amazing guest for you. And until then, please be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?